of the TWC Stay Hated Podcast. We're doing no fucking intros. We're getting right into it. On this episode, I am joined by the savage himself, Matt Brown. I am super excited to talk to this dude. It's taken us a bit to kind of figure out our schedules and make this work, and I'm super excited to have him here. We can chat about the fight game and guitars and everything else and everything in between, so I'm stoked to have him. Matt, how you doing today, buddy? Pretty good, man. I guess I'm pretty irresponsible with my schedule, so, you know, I'm probably like most of the guys out there, right? Like, I make sure every day I get in my fucking training and I hang out with my kids. Everything else is so far behind. That's why, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why it took us a long time to get together, but we finally got it. Dude, I, I respect that. That's kind of like how I roll. I have, like, my... Like the the a hundred percent non negotiables, like training, eating, spending time with my wife, spending time with my dogs, and then like everything else kind of like filters in as I see fit. <laughs> so I totally get that, um, dude. Let's just get like the easy questions out of the way. So, um, how old are you now? And like, when did you find? I guess like, when did you find mixed martial arts? Like the sport not just like fighting in the streets in general like that but like when did you find the sport and how did that happen i had to think a second for about how old i am um, <laughs> i'm getting 42 now um you know i discovered the sport originally around like 2000 2001 um just on vhs tapes man you know just like Back in the day, that's what we did. And these kids these days don't know what a fucking VHS is, but that's how <laughs> that's how we did it back then, man. You know, your friend would have a VHS, and I remember watching Tank Abbott, on the, one of the first ones I ever watched, and I was like, that's my fucking dude. You know, this guy, he's like me. He's like, this guy could be my fucking uncle, man. So, you know, I, that he really drew me into the sport. And then the first live event I ever watched was Pride, um, God, I don't remember which number it was, but it was when Hoist fought Sakuraba, and it was a fucking hour and a half match, no time limit. And, um, you know, we all thought Hoist was the fucking man. That's That was the talk of the town, right? This little skinny kid coming in, submitting everybody, and uh, Sakuraba made him look a fool. So that was kind of my first exposure. And then I didn't actually have my first fight until 2004. I was 24 years old, and that was just a coincidental fight you know i went to watch my friend he was going to fight but and this is back in the day they didn't have commissions and nothing so uh, i show up i'm on a coke binge and they you know this is what you see on the movies with the guy smoking cigars betting on the fights and <laughs> the, the announcer yells out to the crowd you know does anybody want to fight the champion and i just went to the bathroom did a line and come out and say, i'll fight that motherfucker let's go so <laughs> went across the street and bought a mouthpiece um there was a restaurant across the street also and bought uh um, use use the uh, restaurant's microwave to boil and bite my mouthpiece came back paid 30 bucks 
fought the supposed champion and ended up winning. So I became addicted after that and looked back since. Dude, that is fucking so sick. Uh, what? Uh, so you said like, you know, you were like in a coke binge and all that shit. Were you a pretty rowdy dude growing up? Like, were you the type that was like down to party, down to fight? Like, were you that sort of guy? Yeah, man, I grew up in a very, very small town. No one's heard of a population of 200, and there wasn't shit else to do. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I was rowdy, but I was attracted to anything rowdy. You know, I've always been a quiet, kind of keep to myself guy, but I've always loved the rowdy shit, man. I love, uh, you know, heavy, like we talk about heavy metal music and fucking fighting. And, you know, in that little town, you know, that's what you did on the weekends. You got drunk and you fought with one of the rednecks. And, you know, that, that was kind of the, you know, we all had a hierarchy. You know, they probably need a little bit more of that these days. You know, we, we knew who the baddest dude on the block was. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't always me, but uh, but they always they also knew that if they came after me, I was fighting back. So, you know, I didn't get fucked with a lot, even though, you know, some of the bigger guys did. Yeah, um, I think that's part of growing up, right? Like with guys roughly our age, I'm going to be 38 in November. So we're kind of similar ages. I think like learning i'm not like a big fighting guy right like i've been in a handful but that wasn't like me growing up right but i think that learning that like you can get your ass kicked you're not made of glass and (laughs) you know like standing up for yourself like i grew up going to punk and hardcore shows and stuff and like you get your ass kicked pretty good and you figure out real quick that it's like well, I've got to like defend myself or not go here anymore or whatever. And I think that you're right. Like, I think now people kind of, there's not that culture of like the like neighborhood kind of bully that you have to stand up to anymore. And I think that that kind of like, it teaches you kind of how to be a man. I know that sounds cliche, but there's, it's not really all the time about who wins. It's kind of just like willingness to, to go there. Uh, yeah I think that's exactly right and I think like I said it kind of builds this hierarchy which when you get into the real world that's you're going to deal with the hierarchy right you're going to have a coach you're going to have a boss you're going to have people over you and you need to learn how to respect that and a lot of that shit is lost on this generation I even asked my kids the other day uh, a couple months ago when they were in school I, I said you know they're in sixth grade they're going into seventh this this summer the twin boys and I, I said you guys um, never really told me about any fights in school like you know, like, what the fuck? Like, where's all the fights? You know, you guys haven't, haven't said anything to me. And they go, Dad, we've never seen a fight at school. I said, what? You're going into fucking seventh grade. What do you mean you never seen a fight at school? You know, it was like, it was like fucking Lord of the Flies when I was in sixth grade, you know? And uh, the only saving grace, uh, little side note, you know, my son, he he did come back later he said you know what dad there was one time there was almost a fight he said these uh these five kids were messing with me when we were playing football and i was gonna fight them i said you're gonna fight five kids he said yeah dad i would have kicked their asses (laughs) (laughs) that's that's my boy that's so sick uh do you think that like um like mma right so like i i assume that you've kind of like I don't want to say mellowed out, but you know, like you get older and it's like not the same as when you're a kid. Like, do you think that doing this like professionally uh, has like 
sculpted your life into the way that you envisioned it? Like, is this like, you know, some people, they just know they're like destined to be great at something. And some people it kind of happens. I don't want to say on accident, but kind of like unbeknownst to them, like, is this what you thought of when you thought of like your life that you were going to be this like fucking universally known, like savage cage fighter? Or is it like, is it, was it like a surprise to you that things worked out this way? Man, you know what? That's a great question. Um, you know, I had no vision of this whatsoever, to be honest. Um, I only knew that I was a fucking warrior, man. Um, you know, I, I, I'd only dreamed of having this life that I have now. Of course, you know, it never plays out exactly the way you see it in your head. But, you know, this was just a, a dream for me. Um, and I, if anything, I think I made the mistake of dreaming way too small when I was younger. You know, originally when I first started fighting, I was like, I just want to be a professional. You know, I just want to be the toughest guy in fucking Ohio, right? And then <laughs> that was pretty easy to achieve, you know? And then I said, man, I want to be in the UFC, you know? And it started around the time that I was kind of coming up, you know, the UFC started becoming a little bit more accessible, you know? Before that, it was just not even accessible, right? It was hundred guys in the UFC, you know, the top of the heap only. And it just didn't seem like it'd even be a thing. And then the ultimate fighter came out and all of a sudden there is a path to get there. And, and now the path is these days is basically anybody who really puts in the time can get there staying. There's another, um, complete other story, but you know, so I set my goals, you know, just to get to the UFC and then I get to the UFC and, and it's like, well, I just want to, you know, win a fight or win a couple fights. And, um, anyway, my point is if I think if I would have started from the beginning with that champion mindset, um, and that bigger picture in my mind and, and maybe, uh, kicked out some of those self-limiting beliefs that I wasn't capable of doing that, I think I would have succeeded and gotten a lot farther. Yeah, I think that that's really cool to like have the um, be able to self-assess like that and look back and be like, you know, because you you do never know how it turns out, right? And and all this stuff too, when it comes to like becoming the the top, like the peak, like being the fucking guy, it, it's like everyone around you, or well, I don't want to say everyone around you, but a lot of people that are around you, even if they care about you, they'll do it out of care. They'll say like, well, you have to have a backup plan. You have to, you know, you have to have this other thing in ca just in case to fall back on. And I, I think that sometimes people say that to be kind of a shithead. And I think that sometimes they say it because they care about you and they don't, you know, it's like they don't want to see someone go through whatever, losing everything. Like when you were on the cusp, right? Like, it's like when you were like just getting to be well known or you were on the edge of like your first big, big fight, like. Did you have naysayers? Like, did you have people around you that, like, you know, were saying, like, yo, Matt, like, dude, this ain't the fucking ticket. You, you got to make sure that you do this instead or whatever. Or was everyone around you kind of like, did, were you insulated, I guess, with people who were, like, about you succeeding? I've always been a pretty small circle guy, man, so I've never really had to deal with that a whole lot. And most of the guys that have been around since the beginning um, that may have potentially been one of those naysayers might have seen me back in the day when I was fucking homeless, right? Or when I was, you know, you know, I was sleeping on the fucking streets, addicted to drugs and getting into fights every night and shit. And, you know, the fact that I was, you know, making enough money to fucking rent an apartment and have a car and put food on the plate, you know, was probably enough to make them happy, you know? So, 
I haven't really had to deal with that a whole lot. Now, of course, when I started getting online on Twitter and Instagram and shit, that's when you start dealing with that stuff a lot. You know, people calling you a piece of shit and a turd and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it's really, really easy to let that soak in, man. Um, you know, I always say about social media, it can be the, one of the greatest tools on earth. Um, for everything for yourself and for the world and it can be one of the worst tools it's all depends on you know how well you're able to use it and i think at some point we're almost going to have to have a fucking uh you know some sort of course on how to use social media how to push the block button you know or something yeah man that that shit is hard I, i've handled it like in a much smaller scale like just within the powerlifting community where you know like you get some squat passed and 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 it might have been high or whatever and then it just gets eviscerated you know everyone's telling you like you're a piece of shit because you got a squat passed and me you know telling you to kill yourself and all this shit and it's crazy and 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 i don't you know at the time when that really popped off for me and i had like you know, I had some squat that had like 50,000 views and fucking 10,000 comments and everyone telling me I was a loser. Uh, but I only had like maybe 5,000 followers at the time. I, I was not, you know, well known at all. And it still blew up. Like at your level, do you just like not read that shit? Are you like, fuck that? I'm not dealing with this. Or like, do you post and I know a lot of guys who have like a really strong following shit they'll like post and ghost so they'll like post it and then just not even go back to their posts <clears throat> yeah it's kind of evolved over time you know I used to read that shit a lot and I would use it for motivation well, actually I'll, I'll go back even before that so originally you know I would read it and I respond to them I send them the fucking address to the gym <laughs> you know I'd you know, send them my fucking home address my phone number like like, let's fucking go. You know, this is a real world, bitch. Um, <laughs> and then, then eventually I kind of grew past that when you start realizing. Cause actually, as a matter of fact, one guy showed up one time. He's talking shit to me on Twitter. He shows up to the gym. No. And uh, I swear to God. And, and I got a video of it somewhere. I need to post it sometime. I got to find it and post it up. You know, this guy, he comes in. I'm there training for a, a, a bike. So I got my whole camp there with me, about eight or nine guys. And... Uh, you know, I'm at the end of my training session when he shows up. So I said, look, man, I'm, I'm kind of tired. I just don't really feel like dealing with it. And, um, but here's one of my training partners. If you can get through him, then let's go. And my, my dude just fucked him up, bro. Like, of course. Dropped him like three or four times and kicked <laughs> him in his head, knocked him out. And these were, uh, Brazilians, you know, so they come from the ghettos in Brazil and they would come up and help me with the game and stuff. And they're just fucking loving it, man. <laughs> they're all. <laughs> It was the funniest thing. So anyway, so that's how it started. Then I turned it into motivation. You know, these people would talk shit, and, and I would just use, I would soak it in and be like, yes, I'm gonna prove this motherfucker wrong. And I think that can be a powerful motivation. And nowadays, yeah, I don't necessarily ghost and post, but if I see a negative comment, I just delete it and um, you know, post and ghost. I never heard that before. I like that. The um, you know, I, I'll kind of just filter them out, you know, because what I, one thing I found is it's generally like the same people over and over um, and you can just block them and they don't come back. Yeah, that shit's so funny, too, because I had a um, I had a dude. I was just on Table Talk and I, I had a dude comment on like the YouTube thing and say, like, you know, I really like this guy until he said that thing towards the end or whatever. And he starts saying all this shit. And I just commented on it and was just like, hey, bro, like, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I appreciate you 
listening. And uh, I kind of like, because I used to just ignore it. I obviously did the shit where I like would get in wars with people online and it's such a fucking, such a waste of time. It's funny at this point, but it's like, it's such a waste of time. So, uh, yeah, this fucking guy says that. And I, and I just said, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but thanks for listening. And then immediately they switch it up and they're like, oh, yeah, man, I don't hate you. I just this, whatever. Yeah. It's as soon as you're like nice to they just want a reaction, bro. It's like they either want you to fly off the handle and say, fuck you. Or, you know, if you say, hey, man, like like I've, I've hit people with the like. I'm sorry you're having such a hard day right now, dude. Like, (laughs) you're obviously having a tough time if you're commenting on my training video saying I'm a piece of shit. Um, So I hope your day gets better or whatever. But at at your level, you've got, you're like, you know, you're fucking world known worldwide. So it's like, motherfuckers be coming at you. How about the other side of things? Like, when you became successful and you, and you had like, you had status. Like, did you have people coming out of the woodwork that might have like motherfucked you early on, and then now oh, that you're yeah. successful, they want a piece of it or something? Like they they want to be your buddy? Oh hell yeah, brother! Like I remember one specific case of that. This guy, he was my biggest bully in high school, pushed me around a lot until I fought him back one time, and but you know we just never talked after that, and then. 20 years later or 15 however long you know i'm on tv fighting you know uh for the whole world and shit and this motherfucker has the nerve to send me a message saying hey bro how you doing man we should hang out sometime (laughs) i'm like yeah we'll hang out i'll beat the fucking piss out of you bro like i don't forget that shit motherfucker (laughs) dude i love that it's like they think they're being slick you know it's like oh we should we're buddies in high school it's like Nah, dude, like, you don't get to jump on the fucking train now. That's crazy. Um, exactly. But I'll tell you what, though, you know, um, you know that shit did make me who I was, too. You know, I could almost thank him for that shit at the same time, even though I wouldn't. Um, you know, I could almost thank him for that shit. Um, another story on that, just because it's fucking hilarious. This one dude, he was bullying me all the time, too. This was after high school. Not really bullying, but he was you know, always coming around and, you know, kind of trying to pick a fight with me, but I'm actually a really calm, patient guy. You know, I love fighting and stuff, but, you know, I'm pretty calm and patient. And then, but he just finally pushed the wrong button and we got into a fight. He pushes me down. He, I'm onto a couch. We're in a, at a party, you know, this living room, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he's mounted on top of me. I can't move. I'm on the couch. He's punching my head. So I went up and bit his cheek and I bit a whole fucking chunk of his cheek out. <laughs> right. So he fucking runs out the room and runs back up into his own apartment, which was upstairs, which locks the door. I can't get in. I haven't talked to this guy in 15 years. Again, sees me on TV, sends me a message. Hey, bro, how you doing? And I was like, hey, motherfucker, how's your cheek, bitch? Like, <laughs> and I seen the picture on his profile. Like, he still had a scar from the cheek. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, wow, <laughs> dude. That's brutal. That's so sick. Hey, man, like, people fuck around. They're going to find out. Uh, as far as, like, the the training and the fighting professionally and all that stuff, after having so if i'm not mistaken and correct me if i'm wrong i don't do any like research before i have people on but i know you struggled with with drugs and stuff and you kind of referenced it a minute ago did uh having that history with addiction and you said you were homeless for a little bit whatever like did that make like 
the fighting in a cage in your underwear in front of the world easier? Because I know for me, like, I always felt that when I got off of opiates, everything else in my life it became easy because it was like, dude, I've already been through the bullshit. So this like this squat is not going to be any harder than being having nowhere to live and being a drug addict. So did you have a similar experience with with fighting? Did it become kind of like this ain't shit to a degree because you had been through so much? You know, I think that's a hard question to answer, to be honest, because I think that in the moment, like when you're stepping into a fight, you know, in front of however many millions of people and there's a trained killer, a fucking lion across the cage from you that wants to rip your head off and you guys are fighting for money. It's hard to think about anything else, you know, so I'm very much an in-the-moment guy and I don't think about the past. I think about the future only. I'm always one foot in front of the other. Um, now, I think there's probably, being that I went through that shit, I think there is probably something built into me that I don't recognize that mm -hmm. probably built some mental fortitude and strength and shit like that. But, you know, I don't consciously make myself aware of it because I'm not that guy where I think about yesterday, man. I think about tomorrow only. I think, uh, and actually I got that from Louie, man. He was one of the first guys that kind of put that into my head. He says, it's not about what we've done. It's about what we're going to do. And I loved when he said that. And that's how I've always thought of everything. Um, I remember I asked him one day about... The, it's trophies or something, you know, whatever medals or whatever trophies. I was like, dude, like, you, you don't see any of them posted around or, you know, uh, on shelves or anything around West Side. Like, why don't you put that shit up? And that was what he said. It's not about what I've done. It's about what I'm going to do. And that this is, you know, he was fucking 55, 60 years old at that time. I'm like, what do you mean what you're going to do? You know, like, you're, you're, <laughs> but that's Louie, right? You know, yeah. he did it till the day he died. So um, that stuck with me and I've always kept that mentality. Yeah, man, I, uh, I'd love to get into the Louis stuff a little bit, if, if you don't mind. I, I obviously had my experience with him, and, uh, you know, he definitely, you know, we had our differences, right? So me and Lou didn't get along great, but I'm very grateful for him and, and how he propelled my career. Um, I know he loved fighters. He always spoke highly of you. Anytime I've heard him speak about you, um he always had good things to say. Like, what was your experience like with Lou? Like, you know, everybody kind of, it's like different for you guys, right? Cause you're like not there in the morning every day with them or, or whatever, maybe you were, but it feels like people who were doing the fighting stuff had kind of a different experience with Lou than the powerlifters did. And I'm just curious as to like what your relationship was like with the old man. Cause he loved, it, it seemed like he loved fighting more than he liked lifting weights. You know what I mean? I think he did too. Yeah. I, I kind of got that feeling pretty quickly. And you know, it's kind of funny, man. When I first heard about West side, I didn't have any idea what it actually was. And, um, I lived right there in Galloway about not even five minutes from West side. Um, so I just went there the first time because it was a free gym to train. I, I had no idea what I was getting to. And Louie invited me there one time to come. Um, he wanted to you know, teach me some stuff or whatever. And I got there, um, was 6 a.m. I think. I'm yep. seeing these fucking giants. Like you might've been in there. I don't know. I remember uh, Op, I think was in there. I can't remember, you know, I know uh, Ray Ramos was in there. Yep. You know, me and him became good friends, but, um, 
And I was I was actually pretty fucking intimidated. I was like, what the fuck is this place, bro? Like, this is crazy. How the fuck are they lifting these weights and shit? And, and I remember Louis, the first, literally the first time I met him, he came up to me and his nose and ears were bleeding, I guess, you know, from the pressure, right? Is that what happens from powerlifters? Yeah. The, yep. Yeah. And he wiped the blood off, shook my hands, hey, welcome to Westside, yo, come on in. And, and I was like, dude, this is a fucking place for me, man. And, um, you know, I think we had a good relationship. Uh, I, I, I was at Westside for about four or five years. I was the uh, first guy that Tom had ever trained. So he had just started as an intern when I got there. So he started training me. Um, Louie kind of put him on to me. And um, then I moved away for a couple of years. I moved out to Denver, got a chance to train at a, a bigger camp and everything. And I thought it'd be the right move, come to find out it wasn't. But when I came back, I felt like the relationship was never the same. Um, and I think Louis is just that kind of guy, you know, he's like either with me or against me. And when I came back, I felt a completely different vibe than the whole time I've been there before. But um, as, I still got a lot out of him. And every time I talked to him, I felt like I got something out of him. And I, I agree with you. I think he liked fighting more than powerlifting. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely witnessed that a lot. You know what I mean? As far as like, just the way that he spoke about fighters, I think because maybe he identified with it a little bit different, you know, and um, it's always so funny. Everybody who's everybody who talks about their first time walking in there, they have like a holy shit moment where they're like, where the fuck am I? Like, who are these people? And like, I'd been, you know, I had tried out and I'd been there a couple times. It didn't really hit me until maybe my like, my second week I was there and I started looking around and I was like, Jesus Christ, like I am amongst a bunch of very big, angry dudes. Like, <laughs> so it, it kind of, it took a little bit for me to hit. I was just kind of like, you know, ignorant to it. I'm like, here we go. Like, I guess I'm just going to go power lift over here. It seems pretty serious or whatever. And then it was like, you get there and you're like, Jesus Christ, these dudes are massive. Um, as far as like the, the training with, with lifting and all that stuff, did you, uh, you know, like, did you follow like a conjugate protocol? We don't have to get into like the nitty gritty, but did you basically follow like, you know, like a West side style template as far as like getting stronger and when you were in camp and all that? So when I first started, we did uh, basically a straight conjugate, you know, and of course Louie would come overall because I had to go there when Tom was there because he was the one trying to help me out. So, mm -hmm. uh, and all, all we knew was, or all he knew was conjugate, right? So, we were doing, you know, the four days a week, you know, the max dynamic. Yep. And uh, it was, it, I'm lucky I was young because it fucking took its toll on me, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, trying to do that with, um, you know, two or three, uh, one or two other sessions throughout the day, you know, so I'm doing, you know, two or three sessions back then. If I would have been at my age now, there, there's no way I would have been able to get through it. But um, it evolved over time. Um uh, but again, originally, like it was straight conjugate with a lot of GPP and then evolved more and more over time. And I think they've evolved it, you know, even more drastically now. And it's way more specific towards fighting. Um, yeah. But back then, I mean, we were basically doing powerlifting stuff and <laughs> I felt my strength come up a lot. Um, but it did affect my cardio. I would argue that, that it did slow me down cardio wise. Mm -hmm. because I just couldn't put in the volume of cardio anymore. You know, I, I just simply couldn't do the long runs and the, 
um, you know, stair sprints and things like that. Like my body was just fucking shot, man. Yeah, the, it's definitely like a high demand um, that you're putting on yourself when you do that, especially like you're not just lifting weights, like you're lifting weights, then you're going and grappling, then you're going and striking. Like it's a long fucking day. It's a lot of stuff to handle. Um, as far as like training, like do you like do you love it? Like was it a like training? Like everybody likes, you know, competing, everybody likes doing an event. You know, it's kind of, we get our ego stroked a little bit. We get to do the thing. But when it comes to training, like, do you, do you love the, the process of training or for you, is it like a means to get to that, that point? Like, I guess, I guess I'm asking like, if you were never, ever, ever going to fight again and you were never like, would you still train? Do you still enjoy like pushing yourself to that level? Uh, that's, uh, that's exactly it. I love being in the gym and I've said a million times I'm going to die on those mats that's that's what I plan on doing with my life and I'm going to stay in shape the whole time and I, and I don't like those guys that are like that that you know just do it just to compete man um, I think the competition is really just a, a picture in time to show where your training is at at that moment and you should be a, you know this should be a lifetime thing for you and there's so much so little of that in, in this society man like you know the strength just isn't or strength or uh, what's the word i'm looking for like you know the, the, the words like egotistical and um mm-hmm. you know selfish and stuff like that are tossed around way too much you know and i'm like look i'm not doing this you know to be selfish and i'm not doing it um, just to pump myself up so I look good on social media and shit. I'm doing it because I want to be a strong, resilient human being and I can handle anything that's fucking thrown my way. Yeah, I like that. The like, the like resilient, like resistant to injury, like can handle yourself. There's something about like being strong and that cliche thing, like strength is never a weakness and all that stuff. Like, it's true. And there's like, when people ask like, uh, you know, like how long are you going to lift weights for? And it's like, motherfucker, I don't have a, like an end zone. Like I just, I just want to like, I like, I love lifting weights. I love training. If powerlifting became not a thing, I would still train four days a week. I would still squat on Friday nights because I, I just enjoy it. Um, so like, let me kind of ask, this is kind of, based on something you said earlier, you were, you were talking about walking into the ring and you know, you're a, you're a very, you said you're an in the moment guy, like always forward. What's that? What's that like that, that walk to the octagon? And this might be a cliche. I don't know. I like, I don't follow the sport super closely. So this might be a cliche question, but what, like, I'm genuinely curious. What, what is that walk like, like from the back room forward? What was your first big show like with that? Like what, what's going through your head with that? Are you like, at this point, you're probably not nervous, but like, what are the emotions that go through your mind or is every camp and situation different? Uh, first off, um, I still get nervous. We all get nervous. Um, I actually just made a post about this the other day, um, maybe Twitter or something. And the fact is, if you don't get nervous, you should quit. And I believe that very strongly because the nerves mean that you care. 
Right. I did a, a small jiu-jitsu competition after I tore my ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, just to do a competition, just to see what it feels like to compete again, because I was out for like a year, and um, I got nervous. You know, I got nervous as shit. Why? Because I fucking cared. Um, and when you when you're that passionate about something, it's your life, and um, you know you should fucking care. And if you don't care anymore, then you're not going to get nervous, and then you should fucking quit and go do something else. So the nerves are always there, and I actually enjoy getting nervous. It's something I love. It's something that I strive for. And that's why I love competing so much because I get nervous. You know, it's like skydiving, right? If you didn't get nervous and you just jumped out, then it wouldn't really be much fun, right? It's like, what the fuck are you jumping out of a plane for, risking your life for if you're not even going to get nervous? Dude, I say so. that about big weights. Like, I say it's so funny, dude. It's like, I say that about, like, the big weights. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm scared every time I step under a four-digit squat every fucking time i'm never not scared i'm always scared and i it's it's funny you said like if you don't get scared you should quit or you don't get nervous you should quit i literally had probably like a like a six or eight month time period after i fucked my knee up that i would shut down my squats probably one squat early because I would get nervous. And then one day I fucking realized, I'm like, no, dude, like, this is why we do it. We do it because it's fucking scary. That's the fun part. Like, like you fucking, so the next time I went in and we were taking a big weight, I just kept saying the big number out loud that I wanted to do. I just kept saying 1125, I'm going to take 1125. I'm going to take, and I just kept saying it so that everyone there heard me say it. And then I was like forced to do it. And I love that, that you, that you feel that way. It's like, motherfucker, you should be nervous. It's like, if you're not nervous, like, what are we fucking doing here? Like, you don't ride a motorcycle because it's safe. You ride a motorcycle, <laughs> you know, you ride a motorcycle because it's fucking, it's crazy and scary or whatever. So sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to put that in there. But like, what's, what's it like? Like when you're walking down that fucking, that tunnel, you're nervous, but are you like, are you like, fuck this guy i'm gonna fuck this guy up or is it like a level of respect or like how does that all work no so it's kind of evolved over time i used to kind of be on that you know i'm gonna fuck this guy up want to be the meanest motherfucker like i'm gonna outgrit you this and that um over time i think it's evolved a little bit into now i really try to embrace the moment more because there's so many fights back in the day where i walked out and i did i don't even remember walking out you know i don't remember what the crowd was like i don't you know i'd have people that knew me in the crowd and my friends and family and stuff would be there and i didn't even know it um and ultimately you know everything we do should be a memory right like you know everything should you know have some meaning to it and um if that's going to take away from performance obviously you don't want to do that but um, you know, it shouldn't it should also should not take away from the performance. So I come in with, uh, you know, a lot of gratitude, just be grateful to be there. I'm very happy to be there. Um, and, uh, I guess the other part is like, I try to relax myself, right? Because it's so easy to get pumped up. Like I had well coached one time, um, really great coach and a great friend of mine, but he was like trying to fire me up as we're walking out and he's he's like let's fuck him up blah blah let's go motherfucker and i literally turned around while we're walking out and dude shut the fuck up like i'm trying to calm down i don't need to get fired up anymore like a dude is it's pretty easy to get fired up when there's a, a fucking lion across the cage from me out for blood so i don't need that shit i need to calm it down so i can focus and be on the performance so like now what I do, you know, when I'm in the back, I'm listening to like calming music, um, 
and you know and just try to live in the moment it's like you know until you're in there like why do i need to be fired up now right mm -hmm. like we're not even fighting yet you know and i, I see that when i'm sparring right like if, I, if i'm sparring in the gym i just sit there and laugh and joke around and then oh it's time for the round and switch it on and you go but then all of a sudden you step into a fight and now you're like not talking to no one you're nervous you're everybody's quiet and shit and it's like, dude, just enjoy the moment. Like when it's time to turn it on, like you're going to fucking turn it on. So yeah, I try to be a little bit more playful and just have fun with it. And, and I know that ultimately, no matter what happens, man, you know, I'm going to wake up the next day and my kids are going to be there. They're still going to love me the same. I'm still going to come home to a nice fucking home. You know, I'm going to have no fucking third world problems, right? Any problem I have would be a first world problem. So Dude, yeah, what a great fucking outlook. It's you see it, you know, I relate I relate everything to powerlifting. So like it doesn't fucking whatever it is, I'm gonna relate it to that, but it's you see the same thing when we go to a meet. It's a it's a it's a ten hour day. It's a fucking eight, ten hour day. It's a long day, right? And you see guys walk in and it's like they're warming up for their first squat and you can tell they're already like foaming at the mouth and it's like, hey buddy, like you're going to blow your load here. Like we, yeah. we got a long fucking day. You need to be able to turn it on. And, and you know, I'm the same in training. I like to have a good time. Like I work my ass off obviously, but I like, like you said, like joke around with the homies. Like that's the best part of this fucking thing is just like the relationships with people and everything. So you get to, yeah, fuck. that's exactly it. And that, that's what makes it all worth it. Right. Like ultimately like, and that's why people like me and you are probably, we're going to be in the gym till the day we die. Cause that's what we fucking love, man. That's what brings us a lot of uh, satisfaction in our lives. So that lifestyle is what I love about this shit, man. And being in the gym, like once you bleed and sweat with your boys, like there's no other connection that you can make with a human being than trying to like rip somebody's fucking head off. <laughs> and then, you know what I'm saying? Then you yes. fucking hang out after. Like that's the best thing. And, um, you know, the only times that I, I kind of haven't enjoyed it is when I did maybe like a short notice fight or mm -hmm. or maybe didn't, you know, maybe got injured in camp or something and I wasn't able to quite put in the work that I want to put in. So I didn't feel that confidence and comfort when I walked in there. Um, because what I tell all of my younger guys when they're coming up, I said, I say, you, you know, the, all the confidence that you need is going to be built in training and that's going to come from putting in an unreasonable amount of work. Like if you can logically say to yourself that you didn't put in the work that you could have put in, then you're going to start questioning yourself when you step out there in, in that cage. But if you can, if there's no possible way to logic how you could have done any, another second of work, then you're going to go in there as confident as you can be. And now you can accept whatever happens because you put in all the fucking work. But these guys, you know, they're these kids these days, half of them, 90% of them, 99% of them, they're fucking lazy bitches, man. You know, they want to, <laughs> they want to get famous because of uh, social media, not because of the work. They want to get famous uh, because they're in the UFC, not because of the work. And I'm like, bro, when you're not putting in that work, you're already, you know, that you, like your brain is not dumb. Like your, your lizard brain is not dumb. It sees that you didn't put in the fucking work. And when you step out in there, you're going to start questioning yourself and you're going to know I didn't put in the work. There's a chance I'm getting my fucking ass kicked for not putting in that work. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Like you can't just like, 
kind of mail it in in training and expect it to be there when you want it to be there like it's like you have to put it in the work in those moments when you don't want to fucking be there or you don't feel good so that on the day of the day of the big thing whatever it is you're fucking prepared for whatever gets thrown at you and to, to speak on something you kind of said in the middle of that about like having your boys around you and having your training group like that's something in my older age that i've really grown to love is like we have like you know every few weeks we take like a huge like a big squat you know like four digits taking 1100 pound squats whatever and after those sessions i make sure that whenever the last squat is taken I, I i walk around and i hug everybody in the room and thank them for spotting me and keeping me safe and there's something about like the trust you know probably the same way with you it's like if you're rolling with somebody or sparring with someone and it's like you know you're four weeks out from a competition you're gonna trust that guy to not try to fucking hurt you and mm -hmm and but still push you in a way that's going to get you better and i think that that like relationship and like the sort of like camaraderie that you get in the gym is is very fucking difficult to replicate any other place um and i think, yeah, I think that's, that's exactly it. i think it's exactly it. like i said it's, it's a little bit different in powerlifting but you, you know, you guys are still trusting each other with these heavy ass weights, and you're, you trust each other, push each other. You know, in our world, we're like, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to fucking choke you out, like I'm trying to put you unconscious. You know, I'm trying to break your fucking leg, bro. Yeah, and it's like, you know, you gotta have some trust and you gotta have some camaraderie because there's a lot of guys. Like, if I don't like you, like, I am going to break your fucking leg. You know, I'm going <laughs> to knock you the fuck out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a, a respect level too, right? Like, it's like, you know that that guy has been through similar things as you, has put in similar work. So there's like a respect level there. Like, I look at people like uh, on my side of the fence and I look around and it's like, man, like if you haven't had some sort of injury that you've come back from, like, I don't know how, like. I be, I'll believe you that you say that you want to do this, but I, I'm not 100% sure until you go through something. And I'm sure it's like, you know, like if you're rolling with a guy who's never been fucking choked out, it's like how how much can you even relate to that fucking guy? Because you, haven't been, you haven't been through the same shit. Um, so, hey, dude, like we're kind of kind of winding down towards the end here. I like to ask with like, a, you know, a couple questions towards the end. But for you, it's 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 very pointed um, for people who are like you've obviously been doing this a long time. You're one of the baddest motherfuckers to ever fucking step into an octagon. Like, you know, you're obviously highly respected and you're known for being like a tough motherfucker. Um, what sort of advice would you give to, you know, a young kid who who wants to enter the fight game that that they think that this is their calling like what's the advice you would give to somebody who who believes that this is their purpose is to be you know a professional fighter it's the same advice i give to anyone that wants to start a business or wants to start any venture that is a worthy venture you know and honestly it all goes the same fucking no matter what and that's well, I was just talking about a minute ago, right? That's 
look, if you can read, you have to train so fucking hard that you cannot reasonably logic a way that you could possibly fucking lose. And, and then after that, all you can do is accept what happens. But very few people are willing to put in that kind of fucking work. And then, you know, if they go lose, then they're like, they got all these pre-built excuses or, you know, they, they, you see them all the time. You know, they come back after a loss. Like, dude, I'm going to work harder this time. I'm going to do this. Like, no, you ain't, motherfucker. Like, I don't need to hear that shit. Like, <laughs> we already know who the fuck you are, man. And <laughs> and that's kind of what I start with with a lot of these younger guys is, you know, learn who the fuck you are, man. Like, this may not be for you. Like, you can, you can train, um, do competitions and have fun. But, like, if you want to be one of the best in the world, like, you got to train like one of the best in the world fucking today. You, you can't wait. Champions train like champions before they're champions, not after they're champions. And all these guys wait until they, they get the next thing, um, you know, to start training harder. Or, you know, they got to get a better job for it, whatever. It's like, dude, you can do it fucking today. Like, if you're making those excuses now, you're going to find an excuse later. Um, a great example of this, actually, is I got this kid. He's 16 now. He started coming to the gym when he was 14. Um, never trained at a gym before in his life. And this kid would come in after school at 4 o'clock. He was in the gym. We had to kick him out of the gym every fucking night. And some days, Coleman would stay there with him. Mark Coleman, uh, my, my boy, would stay there with him till 11, 12 o'clock at night. And this kid wouldn't stop fucking training. I had to talk to his dad, and I said... I said, man, this kid's going to get burned out. Like, we got to, you know, you can't be doing this to him. And he said, look, I've tried. He said, I, I bought the kid a fucking PlayStation to try to get him out of the gym, and he won't fucking touch it. <laughs> but, but but here's how the story goes, though. This kid, his first year, first fucking year of training, won six grappling competitions without losing a single match. Goes to Fargo, which is a national wrestling competition tournament. Got second place in freestyle, third place in, Gre in Greco. Goes to his first year of high school wrestling, you know, going into ninth grade when he was 15 last year. Broke his elbow in districts. Still won his last two matches with a broken elbow. They wouldn't let him go to states because of his broken elbow. But this is a perfect case study of a kid that put in that fucking work. And, and he's got the results out of it. And again, I go back to the beginning. He, there's no way you could reasonably logic how this kid could have put in another fucking hour. Mm. Like he'd be at the gym till midnight and, you know, be at school at six o'clock the next or eight o'clock the next morning, getting up at six. Like you could, you couldn't reasonably put another fucking hour of training into this kid. And he got the rewards from it. Yeah. Very few of these fucking little dorks these days are willing to do this shit. Dude, that's so fucking sick. I love anything that is like, instant barbarian like that where it's like fucking some dude who just like refused to take no for an answer i fucking love that that shit gets me so fired up um dude thank you so much for spending some time with me i appreciate it do you want to give out like social media stuff where people can follow you and and anything else you're doing you want to pump yeah man I, i'm immortal on instagram and twitter um, check out my coffee company. I'll try to get you out some coffee, Anthony. Um, at the Immortal Coffee. Um, you know, I'm, I got tons of shit going on, man. 
So those are the two main things you can find right there, though. Sick. Make sure you guys go follow him. As for me, follow my personal page, AnthonyCW13. The trigger warning page is trigger underscore warning underscore conjugate. Uh, and then the gym page is Anchor Athletics and H. Make sure you guys sign up for the email list, TWCStayHated.com. We got a bunch of free shit that goes out every week. And uh, it's how you can find out about the drops and all that. Um, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the TWC Stay Hated podcast. And as always, stay hated, motherfuckers.